Your team is giving its all in terms of effort, but you're not quite hitting your targets. Or perhaps you just want to reach a bit higher and do more. You need your team to perform, but where do you start? What does the research tell us will make the most difference? This week on We Not Me, we're talking to Juliet Hammond, business analyst at Squadify, who will tap into Squadify's million plus data points on teamwork so that we can find out what drives performance. Hello and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I am Pia Lee. Dan Hammond, um, there's been some big news out of my old hometown, Liverpool, and uh, and this will be news that will be making my nephews feeling very sad, I would imagine. So Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool FC manager, has decided to step down and there's been quite a lot of video footage, actually a really lovely interview, which turned up on my Instagram feed and his level of authenticity. I mean, essentially you need a hundred percent and he's recognized at mid fifties. He doesn't have the energy that's going to, to drive him to the level that he would like, like to, but he made a real, we not me statement when he actually in, in this video reached out to the fans and said, I just need to remind you that Liverpool and the football club is not about me. So it is about the players he said, we will grieve, we will talk about this, we will do this, but we'll do this after I've left in May. And what we've got to do now is support this team as much as we can to have the best outcome. It was, I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't like football or didn't like Liverpool, you would do after that. Well, yes, yeah. And um, yeah, it's great to see those, that idea of stewardship, isn't it, in a, in a team where you know you, you're there for a while and then you're gone, and what can you do to improve things along the way? He's done an amazing job, but yeah, reminding the fans that it's not it's not about him, however much they love him. And a real turnaround, and a great segue into our conversation with Juliet about performance because. Liverpool, um, before he came along, were not doing particularly well, and you know he's there's a lot of there's a lot of trophies sitting in the cabinet now after after his pretty long spell with them. But they have they have learnt performance, and they have been able to give that performance to the whole community of Liverpool, particularly at a time when it really really needed it. So it's been, it's been a very selfless. And in a pretty amazing journey, so we wish him well. But I let, let's let's go and talk to Juliet. Yeah, and see how uh, teams everywhere can can uh, stock their silverware cabinet as uh, as he helped Liverpool to do. So let's go and hear Juliet now. And a big return welcome to Juliet. So lovely to have you at the beginning of this season again. Thank you so much. It's great to be here again. And we are going to be in big discussions about performance. So this is going to be a really great topic, looking at the outcome of, of all the work that we do in Squadify and what, the, what all this database is here to do is to help improve performance. So I think there's some very juicy insights that we're going to be looking at together. Excellent. I'm, I'm excited to get into the, into the data. But back, back to, it always seems a bit weird that it's your husband actually doing this. I mean, yeah, it, it, this it's is a bit excellent. Weird. 
We're, we're all we're on this podcast, and we seem to allow it. You never once asked me if I'd like to do the cards, Dan. You hold yeah. those cards. <laughs> I've got them here, and I'm not letting them go. They're in my. You, you have to. How are your clutches? You, yeah, you have to take them out of my cold, lifeless hands. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so here's a question for you, the lovely Mrs. Hammond. Um, the job I would be terrible at is what would you be? I'd, I can't wait to hear this. No, I don't think about it. There's probably a couple, um, but I think I'd be fairly terrible at sales. Pierre, I'm entirely in awe of you that you get up every day and sell and, and find energy in that because it would just absolutely terrify me to, to go out there. And I suppose it's the, it's, it's the fact that you're doing this for the entire organization. And so we we're, we're all saying, you know, what you sell enables me to do my bit and Dan to do his bit and you know everybody else in the team to to be able to carry on doing what they do um, and I understand that obviously what we do supports your sales so it's a circular thing but I couldn't go out there and and sell to clients it's a crazy thing isn't it I mean I think sales is a bit like public speaking and people sort of like oh god I have a visceral reaction to it but I then I think you know I do have to put on a bit here that the level of detail that you do in the data analysis actually makes my stomach hurt it's just like I love when you come out with the gold which is what we're about to do now but when we start looking at all the patterns of numbers i'm just like oh my god that's that's terrifying so that sort of deep digs into my deep insecurity around mathematics (laughs) i think we've all got them oh my word we certainly do (laughs) so um just give us a quick brief on who you are because there could be some new people joining and listening and cannot understand why the three of us are having the most ridiculous banter and you two seem to know each other rather well so quick lowdown yes I am Juliet Hammond. I am indeed the wife of Dan Hammond, who is our product owner at Squadify. Um, and I have known you, Pierre, for probably 20 years as we've worked together through LIW in our previous working partnership and now in Squadify. So my background is essentially, uh, I started out as an economist and then spent some time in strategy consulting. I'm essentially most comfortable in analytical situations, I guess. And that's where, that's where I enjoy enjoy spending my time is working in research. You now are the custodian of of one and a half million data points in the global database, which is, again, makes my stomach slightly churn. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because it's pulling out of these insights and getting real learning out of it that, that is becoming such a valuable thing. So let's kick it off. I mean, when we talk about performance, what are we actually talking about? That, that's such a great question. And it's really wonderful to have this data set that enables us to go beyond the individual teams, right? So individual teams use Squadify to learn about themselves and how they can um, work differently to improve their individual performance. But what we can do is look across all of those teams and start to see patterns and really understand what the key drivers are and help teams to understand what's going on out there. And so really, when we talk about performance, we built Squadify really in the early days by standing on the shoulders of giants. And we, you know, within our question set um, is the research of around, of, of well over 20 uh, sources. So that's everything from self-determination theory, agile, teams of teams, as well as more commercial things like Gallup's work and, and Project Aristotle. So we've really amassed all of the current and some historical thinking around teams so that really what we've got in that question set 
is all of the conditions that are required within a team to really achieve the highest level of performance. And what we found when we did that was that the smallest number of conditions we could get that down to was 40. And that's what we have now in the Squadified data set. And we use our three C's, clarity, climate, and competence to categorize them in some way. But essentially, that's what we're looking at. It's a very complex thing, teamwork. It's multifaceted. So, I mean, you could easily spend hours completing a survey about performance because it's got so many different elements to it. But uh, it took a lot of work. And I know that because the three of us were intricately involved in honing that down to 40 in every single word in those questions was was put under a microscope. To align to the research and really leverage what these people have done in order to bring that value to, to teams. And so that's really the basis of Squadify. And then on the performance side, what we've done is defined three different measures of performance that teams self-rate. Um, in order to help us to really sort of get into the detail of which conditions are driving which performance measures. And so just to, just to start us off and, and clarify those, the three measures that we have is this term consi- team consistently delivers uh, high quality work. This team consistently responds to customer needs and this team consistently meets targets and deadlines. And so there's kind of three dimensions that teams are able to score themselves against. Uh, in order to help them to see which areas they perhaps need to target more carefully and where they feel they're doing better or worse. Yeah, yeah it's so it's so interesting about this complexity piece. You know, I, I think with with teams, I often say to the people I'm working with, you know, even a person is complex. You imagine if you add them together, you've got all these interdependencies, and it's a very complex situation. So it's not surprising that teams are. Um, hard, actually quite hard to lead, and that um, this data can really help them. And uh, yes, yeah, it doesn't it's you know when you think about it, you have a minute of forty pieces. You know, people sometimes say on LinkedIn, "Ah, oh, the one thing about teams is this." If you read that, you should be very skeptical. You know, the one thing a team needs, or this makes a team. Actually, we couldn't get it below forty. And um, so, yeah, I think that that sort of says a lot. So, how do you take these strange little groups? and get performance out of them. What's the data telling us that, about performance in these teams? Well, it's really interesting. So I ran regressions against each of those three performance measures. Hold on. I'm going to stop you there for a second. <laughs> What's a regression? Because I mean, there's going to be people. There's gonna, she's, she's at it again. I'm sorry. I had to step in there. So we did some statistical analysis to identify the of the 40 conditions in the Squadify data set, which are the ones that are the strongest drivers of each of those dimensions of performance? So for each of the three separate performance measures, we, we did that analysis. And what was really interesting is that of the top four factors driving performance across each of those dimensions, three of them are c- consistent across all three measures of performance. So three factors are really coming out here as powerfully strong. This is good news. What are they? Yeah, what are they? We like threes. <laughs> we do, we do. And by complete chance, in fact, because this was just a, a statistical analysis, we have one in clarity, one in climate, and one in competence, uh, which are our three dimensions. So the, the clarity one is this team understands how to work together. So pretty fundamental. And interestingly, one of our newer questions in the updated question set, where we really reviewed the current thinking and 
reflected on the fact that teamwork as a science, teamwork in itself is really important. And teams really have to understand that interdependency. And what we see a lot is groups of people working together towards a common goal, but individually. And actually, this is the, the, the really clever glue that holds people together and makes the whole bigger than the sum of the parts. So that's why this is a really juicy, juicy condition, I think, for teams to be thinking very hard about. And I think that interdependency, I, I often think of this sort of image of, it's the difference between the runners running round individually on a, on a track and then, and then running as a relay race. And the relay race is the interdependencies. And we just, we miss that. We miss that. And we, um, because of the nature of the pressure that we're under, often having, you know, individualistic OKRs, we, we don't, we don't see where those gold touch points are and where we can, um, share or collaborate or work together to, to achieve that outcome. It's, it's one of the key um, tests that, that uh, Professor Michael West has for a real team, isn't it? This interdependency came that research from the King's Fund that says actually you can boost you know, from going to be a pseudo team that doesn't have it to a real team as a 20% uplift on the whole. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating one and often missed. Well, and ironically, often when people get busy, the bit they stop doing is the engaging with others and they just get their head down and keep doing their own thing when in fact the opposite is what they should be doing and they really should be drawing on each other at that point to try to provide support that's going to help them get through it. So yes, and that 20% uplift for teams that really work effectively together is a phenomenal outcome. So we, I think there's a real opportunity for teams to flip that understanding that working together is going to save you time as opposed to take you time. So the second one is this team proactively collaborates with others. So this is about teams actually looking outside and seeing what they can do to get support or to support others. And we've all had situations where we work with clients who say, God, I was so fed up. I've been working on this for six months and then discovered another team's working on it too. And, you know, nobody at all. And I think probably, Dan, you're reading teams of teams, aren't you? And this is very much uh, around teams understanding how they engage with others to, to leverage that strength beyond their own. It's that next level of, of teamwork. It was really good to see this popping up because we're often working now in environments, as you said, Juliet, of where there are, it's a, it is a team of teams. And when we talk to a lot of teams, they're one of, when they're struggling, one of their problems is their relationships outside that team. So um, it's, it's really interesting to see that sort of more proactive one that the high performing teams actually take, make the effort to collaborate with others. And uh, they, they're going out to reach out and sort of making that network, the ecosystem function. So it has the impact not only on the team, team performance, but also on the organizational performance. So that's a really good one to, to be popping its head up there, I think. And the third will reassure us all. So the third factor that came up um, was deliver against commitments. So, you know, in the end, you've got to do what you said when you said you'd do it. Uh, that's an interesting one that raises around accountability. Uh, and then this new element that's coming up around psychological safety, which, which they tend to go hand in hand. I mean, you know, if we're, if we're delivering, we've, we've got to, I guess, be open enough, authentic enough if we're if we're not on the pathway to delivery, <laughs> rather than actually making it somebody else's fault or resources. And that's an interesting one, Juliet, because we had we used to have resources as a big 
what are these big gaps? And I think something's changed there too. Yes, yes. Resources has dropped to fourth in terms of gaps. So if we look at the gap between importance and presence, which really gives us an insight into what it is that teams want more of, you know, what they really feel they're lacking. Resources used to be the number one. And we almost got to the point of saying, yeah, yeah, we know that. Now tell me what else is going wrong. Uh, but that's dropped down to fourth. And in fact, then the number one uh, gap now is uh, understand how to work together. So that, that test of teams understanding how to work together is the, is the biggest gap. And the second is challenger safety, which is all around psych safety. So really teams finding that they need more more ability to challenge one another than they're being given right now. And, and I think that that's increasingly becoming a focus for a lot of organizations. I'm finding this a fascinating, it's almost like a 180, because when we started Squadify and those biggest gaps were enough resources to get the job done, it was a little bit like, it was the, not, not an excuse, but it was a good reason why things weren't working. Well, of course, we'd all like more money, time and, and, uh, and re, you know, resources and people. But I find now that this is particularly, you know, this is the data is looking at the teams who, have done, who are actually doing multiple retests. And there is a real authenticity that the source of their awesomeness lies not externally, but within themselves. So that understanding how to work together is um, is a really authentic sort of revelation. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the point where teams are going, oh, gosh, right, because we have control over this. We don't have control if there's a restructure or resources are taken, but we do have that control and ability to influence it. I, th I think that's really powerful. It feels like the... The control is coming back in house into 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 the team's heartland of what they can do. It's a wonderful thing to see that, isn't it? Where that that is owned, and I must say, on the other side, people do sometimes take this for a trot around the yard and realise that if they had more resources, they would also have bigger targets. So you sort of realise that, yeah, actually, no, let's sort this. this let's unlock the power of the team to. To, let's sort our own issues out here. Um, that's just so it's, it's a slightly it's another thing, but absolutely it comes back to how we can how we can resolve this, which is which is heartening. And maybe says something around teams emerging more as a driver of output and you know achievement in organisations. Everything's been so individualistic that it was it was easier to blame someone else. But as teams become more talked about in organizations. We're seeing that, that organizations are thinking in a team's mindset. Teams feel that accountability to deliver and to, to ask for things, you know, and to change things within the team without waiting. We were always waiting for the engagement survey that was going to tell us that, you know, this was wrong and that the senior management would fix it for us. And I, I feel like this might be reflecting some sense of team's taking on control, as you were saying, Dan, just owning it a bit more. Now, Juliet, you mentioned that there were, you said top four you'd looked at and that three were common. So that was very nice and neat. But let's look look at those <laughs> exceptions. What's the, um, what, what, what are the, what are the sort of outliers of those four, if you like? Yeah, it's interesting. So for each of the performance measures, there's one more condition. I mean, We've got, we've got research evidence to show that all of the conditions in Squadify drive performance. So I'm not suggesting that any of them aren't relevant, but in terms of which are the most powerful, uh, there's one each for each of those performance measures that's worth uh, looking at because it also came in the top four. 
So in terms of the performance measure, this team consistently de delivers high quality work. The condition that came up there was this team reflects together to learn. Another one of our new questions. So I think that's, that's interesting. Well, you know, the teams that are on the mouse wheel and are too busy, too busy to even sort of first step off the wheel and actually see how they're doing will be too busy to have a conversation about how they're doing and too busy to make changes. And so that, you know, that is the definition of insanity because we just keep doing the same thing. But that reflect, I think, I think maybe that there's a, there's a, a myth that, that, that reflection is sort of like a waste of time or, not useful. I, I think you've really got to get clear about the questions you ask in that reflection. It's not just how does everyone f feel and it's kind of left out there. You, you can have much better guided questions that actually really then get the team to see what's working, what's not working, what are the one or two changes that we can make. And let's see, let's, let's experiment, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that word experiment is the crucial one in, in these times of complexity. Most teams are doing things they've never done before. They don't really know the reaction to of the system to what they're doing. You know, so you you in a way have to see everything you're doing as an experiment. And if the sort of review, the reflection, the retro is when you actually take the measurements. <laughs> you know, sort of see well, how did that go? And you, and um, and of course, you do need a healthy team to, for people to be able to speak up in that. But but the basic act of of reflecting together is so powerful, and that drives that's a quality driver. Um, in terms of output performance. Is that right, Juliet? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's reflecting together to learn, and that learning then drives quality outcomes. So, yes, that's really, yeah. And that, that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. The second one is this team consistently responds to customer needs. And unsurprisingly, the condition in Squadify that drives that is the customer voice um, is reflected in squad plans. So reassuring for all of us to know that that's there, but that but makes a lot of sense, right? That that the teams that that listen to customers and reflect them in their plans are the ones that respond well to customer needs. Good to hear. And the final one, I think, was achieving targets and deadlines. Targets and deadlines. So that's our other measure of performance that this tar this team consistently meets targets and deadlines. And the condition in Squadify that drove that was effective squad execution. So we come back to that working together to get stuff done. This is not about individuals uh, doing their bit. It's about the team working together to deliver against the team goals. And actually, that's not as simple as it looks. You know, I, I think some some teams, you know, that they have financial targets or they have product targets, and that becomes an easy an easier one. But I find that often in a multifunctional complex organization, trying to distill simple targets is actually harder. And then sometimes your individual KPIs don't translate together as a collective, as a team. So at that team level, that's actually harder. It does take, I think, real effort. It does take effort and focus to do it. You get a real payoff, huge payoff in terms of performance when you do dedicate that time. But again, it's one of those ones we can say, I'm too busy and you skim over the top. It's interesting that so many of these metrics are about the working together. You know, we often talk about clarity and of course, teams need to have clarity and a really clear plan and ways of working to get together. But it's interesting that at the moment, the, the drivers that are really come through, coming through are those interconnections 
which is teamwork. <laughs> it's the science behind the teamwork. I mean, you know, call me a, a bit a bit dim here, but you know, it really is. It's it, that that is that that interconnection. That's what teamwork is. Teamwork is not the sum of the parts. It's more than the sum of the parts, and that's where that interconnection happens. That's the bit, and I think what what I find really exciting is this is a quite a scientific, specific way, a granular way to give people what what lies within that. So yes, they all interconnect, but what are the specific things that that create execution? So we're getting, I think, more granular, clearer. So actually, we're giving everybody the chance to really have a red hot go at, at performing because you know what it is that you should be working towards rather than something sort of mystical and i think the the thing i would note and actually Pierre, we've we've been working on some of these factors in our own team as we're expanding you know these new things pop up and you know, oh got to shift how we do things and these are tricky things they're, they're not obvious how to you can sort of see why teams avoid it or fail to do it Th- these are things that require time and work and thinking and and in this case and data ideally so i think it's but but these are the ones that are going to deliver performance so it's it's in a way there's no just about this oh if you're a team you want to perform just do this no there's no just here you've got to work for it but you will get the outcome um but you've got to put time aside to do that so that's what the data says juliet and i think that we you know there's so powerful and so much to take away there I, I could imagine a listener sort of listening in and thinking well that's great but I've, my working environment is a complete nightmare or worse you know or put it more more um more professionally sort of we've got we've got headwinds we have change we have um restructures our resources are being stripped out there are there's a lot of challenges here in terms of time and 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 trying to perform it's not as if they're performing in a, in a vacuum so what, what do you think teams should place their attention to try to break through these issues that they've that many have to really you know get a really good start on performance well i think you know these four factors are really key but the the primary one for me is that one about understanding how to work together, it's the biggest gap revealed in the Squadify data. So it's the, it's the area that teams are really feeling the pain and feeling that they need to have more attention paid there. And it's really the heart of teamwork. And as we said earlier, it's the piece that people tend to drop when things get busy and when they get strained or they're under challenge, when actually it's the time that they need to double down on the teamwork and really leverage what they've got together uh, rather than sort of digging themselves deeper into their own personal hole. And that takes trust, doesn't it? I mean, that takes trust and psych safety, kind of sort of kindred spirits, those two, similar and different. And in fact, the second biggest gap is challenger safety. And so you're so right. We, you know, that's the other piece that these people need to work together, but they need to have a climate in which they feel confident to do that effectively. Which says a lot around connection, which we've mentioned many, many times. You know, not 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 as a sort of softy, softy. Let's like the joysticks, but actually much more around. You know, how do we work as humans? How do we work as professionals? Just like we talked about before. You know, you and I, Juliet, in the same team, and we have completely different skill sets, and we can have a complete understanding of the correlation and the overlap, and the way that 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 how that that relay race works. You and I do that on a daily basis. And yet we see the coin 
of like of our market from two completely different sides. So we have to work through the tensions of that. You know, what might look good from a product development side, but may not necessarily be what's needed or the way the clients would be would be wanting it. You know, so we've got to work we've got to work a little harder at this. We can't just sort of go, I'm okay, but we may not be okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think too often it's just allowed to be do we get along? And people will often cover up disagreements and just go along rather than actually addressing issues to pro- and properly being feeling they can challenge because because their intent is good as opposed to you know so as long as that's in the context of I'm doing this because I want the team to perform better that's what real challenger safety is and that's what psychological safety is and quite often it's just left as niceness. And that leaves a lot of people frustrated and not really having the opportunity to say the thing they want to say. Um, Juliet, look, that's a brilliant point of, tell, you know, the data is just really speaking to us here. I think that's going to give any um, team just a very clear guide on what they can do to raise their performance. And if they want to get that data, they can just email us at wenotmepod at gmail.com and we'll send that to them. Juliet, we're going to do one final thing with you. And this is a new feature on the show. We need a bit of theme music here. Um, What book have you read recently that you would recommend? Or um, let's expand it if you've watched a you know, some sort of Netflix series or something that brought you into the team world or anything else. What what have you got to share with your with our listener? Well, that's a really interesting question. And I think I'm going to go towards my current uh, work, which has been really exciting working in AI. So we're about to launch a, an AI report on Squadify. And so I've been doing a lot of work learning about prompt engineering and learning more about AI more generally and more broadly. And uh, I read a great book by Henry Kissinger and a bunch of others about the impact of AI on, on people, on society, on everything. And I think there's been a lot of big voices, either you know, being incredibly positive or incredibly negative. There's been quite a bit of scaremongering, which I think hasn't been tremendously helpful. And this was just a very balanced analysis of how AI is going to impact our lives across everything from sort of scientific discovery to politics, to economics, to creativity, and try and balance the positives and negatives and put together some thoughts around how we can create a framework that makes the world a safer and better place by leveraging the benefits of AI. Book reco of the of the month, that is. Yes, very much. And that's written with Eric Schmidt, right, I think? Yes, um, indeed. Yes, so I think that's the one you're talking about. So we'll put a, um, a reference to that in the, uh, in the show notes. I will just add, I've also started, but haven't finished yet, the book that Reid Hoffman wrote in partnership with ChatGPT. It's called Impromptu, You, and he writes some questions and comments, and then ChatGPT responds. And it's all about improvisation and how AI interacts with the individuality and humanity of us all. And so I can report back another time, but that's going to be a really interesting read, I think. It'll be next season. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's a laugh a minute here at Hammond Towers Pier, as you can imagine. Um, uh, <laughs> Juliet, thank you so much for sharing the data with us and being a regular listener. I have to say, as we've been talking, I've been thinking of our guest from last week, Chris Ertel, who enjoys these shows because he's a, like us and a team's geek and he'll be out walking his dog listening to this so uh hello chris and i hope you've enjoyed (laughs) this show with juliet which i know you particularly do so thank you juliet and uh, thanks for being with us thanks for having me 
Yeah, when I boil all that down, the one that's standing out for me is that questioning clarity about understanding how we work together. And, um, you know, it, it came up in all three of those performance measures. It is the biggest gap in teams now that we're seeing. And that really ref- is reflected in the work I'm doing with teams that oh, quite often the other role clarity question is, you know, I know what my role is. Yeah, pretty good. But when you get to that, you know, do I understand how to work together? I mentioned a couple of things there. One is sometimes the importance is low. So people aren't rating that as highly as we might like. I don't know if you've seen that, but that sort of, that's a little red light for people to say, ah, are people really seeing this as a team or are they just saying I've got a job here um, myself? Um, but the other thing is, yeah, the presence of that in teams is low and um, seeing how teams can really engage with that and start edging that up has been really refreshing. And I think you hit a good point because I think that it's naive to think that there's a one-hit wonder and you do a squadify and then you're suddenly a high-performing team. It doesn't work like that. You have to actually go through a period of evolution, a period of reflection. There's a point often, you know, six months along on a on a 12-month journey where you suddenly look back and go, oh, my God, we've gone well, a long yes, way. We <laughs> We're different. <laughs> and often it is that understanding how to work together because you sometimes can come into a team and play nicely on the surface, but you're either quite competitive with your teammates or a little defensive certainly not looking at how to you know where are those interdependencies how are we going to it's a lot more give and take a bit more hard work but the outcome as i say six months down you're going oh well why would i go back this i get it and actually this is much easier to set up in a new team because it makes a difference it's one of the biggest factors no absolutely and i I, as a there's a tip. I was working with a team this week and their um, HR lead is an ex-lawyer. It's very, very bright guy and um, really good at leading this stuff. And he's actually implemented a sort of little a matrix with all the names on the top and all the names of the team members along the side. And it's each box for each quarter has to be completed with a one-to-one. So they are saying, right, everyone has to meet each other one-to-one. And we have a little format for that. And that's changing each quarter but it is about the job and how they work together so really a very organized way but it actually demonstrated the you know the gravity of that the sort of weight of that demonstrated how important it was and i think he's really put his finger on this as a as an issue that can solve many of their their issues and they're a lot of their scores are just shooting up as a result of this. So, um, yeah, there's a little tip for anyone if anyone wants to really get organised about about this piece. Yeah. So, and I think that a sign of that evolution is are those important scores increasing? We, you know, on this scale of one to five, um, sometimes when they're between three and four, there's a sign of well, well, it's not that it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, does this? But as the process of the team looking at the results, really actively working together, trying to think about the ways that they can adjust, then that naturally goes up. You want to put that somewhere between four and five. And I think that's an, in, another indicative indicative score. Yeah, so teams are really absolutely under pressure. I think we feel it, but there are ways out of this. That there is This, this data is showing us that there are things they can do to really, as you said, tap into the synergy of the team. It's not just the sum of their parts. There's, there's some magic sitting in the white space there that you can really 
extract. And I think Juliet's really helped us to, um, to, to sort of walk through that and give people some pointers. So, um, but that is the end of the show. That's it for this episode. You can find show notes where you are listening and at squadify.net. If you've enjoyed listening to the show, please do share the love and recommend it to your friends. And if you'd like to contribute to the show, or if you'd like the data that Juliet talked through, just email us at wenotmepod at gmail.com. We Not Me is produced by Mark Steadman. Thank you so much for listening. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.